was way different than a lot of other people's because what happened with me was I started seeing the negativity of the life that I had through the eyes of the people I showed up to rescue. So I would show up to rescue someone, but I had no idea how to rescue myself with everything that I was going through. And Jesus was like, oh, well, let me show you why you need me through just some series of crazy calls that I went through. Welcome to the special Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio, featuring Pastor Daniel Fusco. Each week we share a conversation between Daniel and a special guest. There's the saying that variety is the spice of life. Well, when it comes to hearing about Jesus, each of us has a unique story. Today, Pastor Daniel sits down with former firefighter Jason Sautel to talk about how Jesus finally got his attention. Through his story, you'll see how God's persistent love made all the difference. Now, here's Pastor Daniel and Jason Sautel with the Friday edition of Jesus is Real Radio. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to this episode of Crazy Happy with me, Daniel Fusco, a podcast where we talk about what does it look like to live at street level in this crazy world with Jesus? And my only hope is that this time that we get to spend together will be a time that will encourage you, that will help you on the journey of life. So many of you have been enjoying the podcast. Thank you for it. Thank you for rating it wherever you're picking it up. Thank you for letting people know about it. Thank you for sharing it with people. We just want to get this crazy happy message out. Many of you have been celebrating with me and you've read the book, Crazy Happy, Nine Surprising Ways to Live the Truly Beautiful Life, which you can pick up wherever you like to buy books, where we look at the Beatitudes and the Fruit of the Spirit. We look at what is God's plan for our happiness. And I am just loving being on this crazy happy journey with you all. So today I'm super stoked because I have a guest, a special guest who is a close personal friend of mine. You know how sometimes God places somebody in your life at a certain time and you just, you just hit it off. Just like, like you've known each other forever. And that man who we're going to be talking to today is Jason Sautel. Jason wrote an amazing book called The Rescuer. We're going to talk about it. He was a paramedic and a firefighter in Oakland, in the San Francisco Bay Area. And uh, he is married to Christy. He's got fur kids and real kids and a crazy, crazy life. Jason, how you doing, buddy? Uh, Daniel, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. I mean, just hearing your voice and your excitement always fires me up regardless of where I am. But it's so good to be here, man. Uh, I love you so much, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Bro, I love you. And and I forgot to mention, Jason has a, a great ministry called Jesus is All We Need uh, on Facebook. You want to be encouraged there. And he just launched a brand new podcast called Jesus is All We Need with Jason Sautel on the Edify Network, a podcast, which is where you're picking up the Crazy Happy podcast as well. And so you got a lot going on. But Jason, I, I want you to share a little bit about your journey because, you know, I like to say everyone's uh, on a step of their journey and everyone's step is real for them. 
it's their own step. And so for you, I mean, tell a little bit of the story that, that kind of landed you as a paramedic and a firefighter in Oakland. Yeah, it, it was a crazy journey to say the least because growing up the way I did, it was kind of a tough childhood, you know, and I know we all have tough, tough childhoods and stuff, but, you know, my mom moved away and my dad raised me. And unfortunately, I was basically raised under a system of abuse and I dropped out of high school at a young age. And most people that are training up to become firefighters and paramedics, they they don't come from that type of a background. You know, they made their whole way through high school. They did some college. They had their mindset on what they were going to do. But for me, my mind was basically set on, I wanted to be a professional skateboarder. That was it, man. I wanted to skate and survey because I dropped out of high school when I was 16 years old. And in all honesty, that was a really rough time of my life. And just hanging out and doing uh, skateboarding and some surfing kind of took that, that pain away. But I knew there was something more for me. And I could always feel a nudge that I, I wanted to help people. I wanted to give back to the communities. I wanted to do something even before I realized that that was the true calling inside of me. So I looked into the fire service and I found what it took to become a firefighter. So I went back, got my GED. I got my EMT, my paramedic, everything that you need for that, and just kept pushing forward. And by the grace of God, I landed in what I'm going to say is the best fire department in the United States, because I'm pretty partial to it, the Oakland Fire Department. And it was the second fire department I worked at. I worked for a little Cal Fire, CDF fire here in California prior to that. But I started my career in 1993. And I stayed in that career all the way up until five years ago when I had to leave because of an injury. Now, okay, so talk about this. Because like, so obviously, like, so you're dropping out of school. You Ooh. had a challenging upbringing you're skating you're surfing but like it's one thing to like you know take on a, a wave or, or or drop in on a you know on a half pipe or whatever if they still call it that when i was back in the 80s they call it that's that stuff but like it's a whole other thing to run into a burning building talk a little bit about like what was uh, intriguing about that what what would draw you into that you know daniel honestly one of the reasons i was drawn into it was I just, I had this dying urge, like I mentioned, to help other people. But where that came from was I wanted to kind of medicate myself with it because of the pain of my past, thinking that I had no love at home. I couldn't find any love in this world. I was always chasing love, and it wasn't the love from above. So we all know how that was going to work out or how it worked out for me. So becoming a firefighter, being able to help other people gave me joy. It was so awesome. Like when someone's house is on fire, and they're screaming and they're screaming, you know, my house is burning, my house is burning. And, and they're praying, you know, God, my house burned, put it out. Well, showing up is the answer to their prayers sometimes is really a cool feeling. Now, when we would fight fire, we would find the house just blazing and, and inferno and the fire is taking over and we would put it out and we would try to stop the damage that was happening and give them back what was left of it. And that was just such a good feeling. I mean, you're hurting because you see these people with their whole lives are burning down their memories, their belongings, and heavens forbid a family member's trapped inside. But the feeling you get of being able to give it back to them and help mitigate the emergency, that's one of the major reasons. I love being a firefighter, but what kind of also was tough about being a firefighter was I kind of started idolizing the job. 
I kind of started idolizing myself as Jason the firefighter. And and it just things started really going in a tough direction in my life because of that. But I would always show up to work ready to go love helping other people. And even to this day, I still love doing that, man. I mean, greatest job in the world, I think, besides being a pastor, maybe. <laughs> well, I just want to say on behalf of everyone listening that, that we all want to thank you for your service. And, you know, we realize that, like, you know, what uh, firefighters do is essential and it's dangerous. Now, in your book, The Rescuer, which, I mean, we met when you were, that book was about to come out and you and mm-hmm. I, you sent me an advanced copy and I, and I read it. I kind of just like, I was like, I couldn't put it down. I remember just telling my bride, Lynn, like, man, this, I'm reading this guy's book and this is crazy. So, you know, the book, The Rescuer, I really want to encourage everybody to, to go pick it up. It, it's uh, very real. It's raw in some ways. You know, um, tell a little bit about that story about some of the experience that you were having. You you had your personal experience, and there was there was experiences that you were having as part of the the Oakland Fire Department that mm-hmm. kind of like kind of led to Jesus just kind of colliding into your life. So tell a little bit about about that story. Yeah, you know, it's weird. I hear so many stories as do you about how people came to start how they started following Jesus and the experience that led up to him. And my experience was way different than a lot of other people's because what happened with me was I started seeing the negativity of the life that I had through the eyes of the people I showed up to rescue. So I would show up to rescue someone, but I had no idea how to rescue myself with everything that I was going through. And Jesus was like, oh, well, let me show you why you need me through just some series of crazy calls that I went through through about a maybe about a nine month period. One was I was on the Bay Bridge and I was helping a jumper. And when I was looking in his eyes and talking to him, I could see he was lost. He was hurting. He was in so much pain and he didn't want to jump. But because he'd just been beaten down by this evil world full of darkness, full of broken people for so long, man, he went. And when I say he went, he he jumped in front of me and he said he was sorry before he jumped. And it looked like he didn't want to jump, but it looked like something was also pulling him off that bridge. And when we locked eyes as he was dropping down to the bay, I saw the same emptiness inside his eyes that I would see in mine when I would look in the mirror. And it was, it was freaking me out, to be honest. And I went to a bunch of other emergencies during that time. And at each emergency, I would see people feeling no hope whatsoever. I mean, when you, when you hear hopelessness and you actually deal with hopelessness all the time, sometimes I explain 911 is the hopeless hotline because people, they've got nowhere else to go for, for the worldly need they uh, are requiring and they call 911. And so every scene I went to, I would see a piece of me and them, whether it was a homeless person, whether it was someone who lost a loved one or whether it was someone who I was trying to save as they were taking their final breaths and their eternities were being locked in, I started seeing me in there and it gave me a sense of urgency that, you know what, this whole thing I called the Bible over the years and this Jesus that everyone's been kind of preaching down my throat over the years, there might be something to it. And, and going to all those emergencies started making me think more about my eternity. And, and it was just, a, like I said, a crazy time of my life. Yeah. So, okay. So you're going to these calls and you're seeing your own self in the midst of all of this. Now in the book, you tell a great story. And as a pastor, you know, the time when, uh, you, when you got a chance to tell off, you know, a pastor 
And uh, I want you to share a little bit of that story because like, as a pastor, you know, like I, when I told you, I'm like, I love that story. Like, yeah, you know, I like, and so share a little bit about it because it was part of what God was doing in you at that time. And as you're going through your own stuff, you're being confronted in a sense with where you are and all the things you're experiencing and the trauma and all these things. And also, you know, Jesus is, is, is seeking to break through a little bit. So talk about that. Yeah, no, that's, I'm so glad you asked about that, Daniel, because during that period there, I had shut everyone out. I I mean, there were Christians that were mean to me in the past. I'm not going to lie about that, but it wasn't the masses, you know, but I, because I was in so much pain, I just basically hated all Christians. I hated anyone who wanted to put joy into my life. I would throw hatred their way as a defense mechanism because anything that I've ever had in my life good for just a minute or two or a little while was always ripped out of me. My my mom, you know, she was my comfort zone as a child. She was taken away from me at the age of seven when she moved away to get away from my abusive dad. My childhood, which was, I wanted to have fun, was ripped away from me. So I had this shield up where we went. And what happened that particular day is we came back from a fire. And it was a tough fire because a mom and her young daughter died. And when we pulled up on scene of this fire, there were flames ripping out every door. And what people don't realize is what they see on TV and the movies to what we experience inside of a fire. Daniel, it's horrible. I mean, the fire basically turns everything into fuel, including human flesh. That's why we show up well protected, because if we're unprotected, we're going to burn. Well, we go in and we're pushing through the flames. And I remember I was taking blisters and the carpet was melting me. But we knew that there were people trapped in this fire. And I found my way to the little girl and I got to her. And as I went to rush her out the front door, I realized that she wasn't viable there. There was no way she you you could have had an emergency room right there on scene with us. And she was she was too far gone. And it really cut me deep because I felt like a loser because my whole life people would tell me, Jason, you can do whatever you want to do, be whatever you want to be, and you can accomplish anything. Well, come be a fireman in West Oakland with me for a little while. And I'll debunk that theory really fast because I wanted every patient to survive. I wanted everyone that I did mouth to mouth and CPR on to, to wake up and, and continue on. But I was the biggest failure on the face here. So we go back to the firehouse after that emergency and we had a chaplain there and he's the coolest guy in the world. I mean, just the nicest man, but I wasn't in the right mindset. I get back to the firehouse and all I want is a handful of Tylenol, a cup of coffee and just go, go to bed because my head was pounding and I'd already been on duty for 20 hours at that point. And he approaches me and he goes, Hey Jason, how are you, bro? I let him know how I was at that moment. I unleashed. I mean, in the firehouse, I was always the guy where I would beat up all the new probationary firefighters, not physically, but you know, we, we run them through the gamut, but I was always the tough guy on them. Well, I started lighting him like, hey, pastor, you want to know how I am? Guess what, dude? First off, let me tell you how you should be. You need to drop this little Bible that you're running around with, this book of lies, this fake Jesus you're all running around telling everyone about. You, you need to just stop all that nonsense. And on the wall over there is a fire helmet. There is a turnout coat. And why don't you come to a fire with us and actually do some good for people instead of running around telling them a batch of lies, man, that's going to lead them nowhere. And I said, and for another thing, and I'm getting ready to start dropping F-bombs and everything else on him. My captain comes over and says, whoa, Jason, go take a shower. And he de-escalates the situation. But here's the beauty of that story, Daniel. Here I was being the biggest jerk 
And I was giving him the whatnot, and he didn't do anything to deserve. I mean, I'm lighting into him. And so I deserve to be written up, yelled at, reprimanded, whatever it was. But as I walked away, my captain goes, hey, Jason's a great fireman. He just has a rough childhood because I'd always confided in my captain about my past. He goes, he had a rough childhood. He has all this stuff. We're working on him. He's a work in process and stuff. And right then, the pastor cuts off my captain goes, it's all right, captain. It's my fault. I shouldn't have approached Jason like that. And now my mind's like, it's exploding because I'm thinking, wait a second. I wanted to fight with the guy. I was waiting for him to fight back. Let's have the battle. Let's do this. Bro, that was the first time in my life I ever felt grace from that pastor. I, you know, I've talked to him afterwards. and I'm sure he was having to, to, to curl his toes and maybe grind his teeth a little as I was giving it. But he kept on telling later after the fact, a couple years later, he told me he's all, Man, I just kept saying grace upon grace upon grace upon grace. And I wouldn't have even known what that meant. But he showed it to me, dude, with the way he talked to me. And it was such a, a cool story. And that's what made me start thinking, wow, there's something more to this. And that's just one of the stories in the book that shows how God was using people to draw me to his son. Now, I want everyone who's listening to, to kind of grab hold of that for a second, because we live in a day and age right now where people kind of feel the liberty just to jump all over each other. Someone says something mean, they say something even more mean. But but Jason is sharing a story about a, a follower of Jesus. And, and at the time, Jason is not a believer. And he comes at very aggressively. He responds to this chaplain because, you know, there, there was things going on. But instead of uh, attacking him, that chaplain just received it, apologized to the captain for it. And it's just such a great reminder that how a kind word can can turn away wrath. That like Jason walked away from that, hearing that, kind of having his mind blown because, you know, when he thought about it, he realized, yeah, maybe I didn't need to respond that way, but I'm fried. And I didn't really want to have to talk about how I was feeling in that moment from that chaplain. But the chaplain was humble enough to say, hey, listen, I shouldn't have approached him that way. And, and I don't want, I want any of us to miss the fact that every day we're going to run into people who are having like horrible things of going on. They're, they're stressed. They're having these issues. And really, we want to be that that salt of the earth. Mm-hmm. Where where we can come and have that impact, and so so it was it was just a, some time later, Jason, that that you ended up being rescued yourself by Jesus, huh? Yeah, and and to go further on with what you're saying there, Daniel, I was in such a dark place because that's why I love preaching, teaching, and talking about all things Jesus day night to people who will listen and won't listen, and I try to bring it in a way that people can hear. Not that I'm changing. I mean, the scriptures, the holy scriptures, are the holy scriptures, but. What I loved about that moment was it's one of the first time I saw some light. I saw something good in something because I was just looking for bad in everyone. I was like caught a glimmer of of the light. You know, like you said, he's being the salt. I'm seeing the light in the darkness shining out at him. You know, his his lamp is not being dampened down. It's not being darkened down. And so after that, I go to a few other things. And I got to give you just one more story about the grace coming out was we're doing CPR on a 90-year-old man. And it was my job to go tell his wife that her husband of seven, I think about that, Daniel, with our brides, how much we love them, 70 years with your bride. And then all of a sudden being told she's not with us anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Well, again, I was an atheist at the time. So I recognize that this family was a Christian. But when I went to go tell this wife that we had done everything we could do on her, her beloved husband of 70 plus years, I said, you know what? You're, and right when I went to speak, she shut me down. She goes, my love is with Jesus, isn't he? 
dude, I get a, my throat welts up. I'm getting tears in my eyes and a lump in my throat and tears in my eyes. And I just shook my head. Well, she had this big old King James Bible clutched in her arms and she puts it down and she comes over to me and here's this 90 plus year old woman. And I remember she still had a Southern accent and stuff. And she's like, child, it's okay. He's with Jesus. It's okay. She could recognize that I was in pain. So here is a Christian woman. Here's an atheist guy telling her that her loved one is 70 years is this. And what does she do? She still shows me compassion, sympathy, empathy, everything evolved. After I just told her that her husband's dead. Dude, again, mind-blowing for this atheist. Okay, it was one. So as that time of my life was continuing on, I met a girl. And Daniel, I have destroyed every relationship I've ever been in up to this point. And it's all me. Seriously, it was all me I, because I never let anyone in. So it wasn't like I was a profuse liar. And it's not like it was some weird guy or whatever. But man, when when you're so used to being kicked down, beaten down, and being an outcast your whole life, I always tell people, I always felt closer to the homeless people in West Oakland than I did the firemen I worked with because I saw them as me. I saw them as these people who wanted in but couldn't be in type, type of thing and stuff. And it always crushed me, even though I was, quote, on this side of the, the rescue mode and stuff of helping them. But I still felt like an outcast. But I met this girl. And dude, I'm telling you, when you talk about light shining out of someone based on their actions, being the salt, being just, you know, the Christ-likeness that we should all strive to bring to this world, she brought, dude. And I was like, whoa. And it was like all filters were now gone, dude. And you want to talk about a vulnerable place to be? I was there, man. And you're talking about your bride, Christy, aren't you? Yeah, Christy. I'm sorry. Yeah, my bride, <laughs> Christy. Yeah, talking about my bride, Christy there. Yeah, sorry. I was I was in La La Land just thinking of her beauty right now as we speak. But, you know, dude, so I meet her and things are going awesome. But she never once said anything about being a Christian right away. But I knew, you know, I could see the cross around her neck. I could see all that. Well, we go on a date and I'm telling you what, dude everything you could think about in in cartoons of like a tongue dropping out of someone's mouth or eyes coming out of their head about how they're just so flabbergasted of the beauty of the person from i had that dude and so we go on this date and it's the first time in my life i i never just shut someone out and she's like what's your childhood like i'm like well i was raised by an abusive dad and it sucked and she just like oh wow you know she's staying that and i'm go and then this happened that happened and her line, I'll never forget. She's like, you know what? She's like, I'm sorry that you had to go through all those things. But you know what I can see in you? I can see that God is going to use you one day. And he's forming you for something so much better than where you are now. Dude, again, head explosion. <laughs> you know, come, coming out. Or who says that on a first date when you're talking about your childhood of abuse, talking about being a West Oakland fireman, you know, all this other stuff. And and it, it, she just started it you know, make me want more, if you will. See, now I love this because you're, you're over and over again, sharing stories of how God uses people to yes. teach us who he is and to, so that he can reveal himself to us in a way that we can understand, you know, and, and, and I, I don't want anyone who's listening to this or watching this to not realize that that's one of the ways God wants to use each one of us, you know, but it, it really comes down to us being willing to be available. Jesus is real. There are times in life when one conversation changes everything. 
That's exactly what happened with Jason Sautel. Today, he and Pastor Daniel talked about how Jesus rescued Jason. The key in that was a conversation that he had with his now wife about how God could use his difficult childhood experiences to positively impact others. Those words were part of changing Jason's perspective so that he could see how God makes broken things beautiful and gives people hope. We'll have a preview of next week's episode in just a moment. Thanks for listening to the Crazy Happy Podcast with Pastor Daniel Fusco and author and journalist Billy Hallowell. Each week you'll hear discussion on important topics that affect your life now. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and get notified each time we post a new edition of the show. For more information, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Now, here's Josh. Come back again for the next special Friday edition when Pastor Daniel continues his conversation with former firefighter and author Jason Sautel. They'll talk more about how Jason started walking with God. You'll see how God used a series of events and interactions with people to grab Jason's attention and draw him in. You'll be reminded that everyone has unique gifts and abilities that God wants to use. Well, that's all we have time for on this special Friday edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. For more information, visit JesusIsRealRadio.com. Today's broadcast was produced from the Crazy Happy Podcast with Pastor Daniel Fusco. Be sure to subscribe to the Crazy Happy Podcast today. And be sure to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.